Good evening, everybody. Let's see. Friday, December 4th. It's Friday. It's Red Friday. Remember, everyone deployed. I've got my red shirt. Do you? Also, something else that lets us know is it's Friday is a recent 10-year anniversary. And I might get copyright hit for this, but folks, it doesn't matter. It's Friday. And we all need to be getting down on Friday. Copyright violations. They're fun, folks. Sorry, I just needed to uh, I need to get down. After last night in our live show, playing some Lisa Loeb, I figured, why not? Rebecca Black, please, no copyright infringement claims. We are celebrating your 10th anniversary. Has anyone seen Miss Rebecca Black lately? She has made some changes. And her voice is absolutely fantastic, surprisingly enough. But uh, yeah, a lot of history going on with Rebecca Black, but we're not here to talk about that. What are we here to talk about? Well, this is Don't Unfriend Me, and we're not going to introduce yet. We're just going to tell a little story, and then we're going to get into the introduction, and then get into the show, and it's weird to have music right away, so I apologize. This reminds me of a conversation I had with a lady named Caroline, and she was my human resources regional vice president, a very important person with a $2.1 billion P&L. That's a lot of money with about 3,400 employees to look over. So she was a very important person. She was also a mentor and someone who I admire, and I can't even begin to tell you how much I admire. A very tall lady, very powerful lady. And a quick story is when she was in a boardroom one time, we were texting back and forth talking about executives. And as she's supposed to be in this meeting, we start assigning them to Harry Potter houses and which Harry Potter character they would be. And there was a particular person she was not fond of who got to be the uh, the pink lady professor, oh, uh, Professor Umbridge, who was just a horrendous person. And she couldn't stop crying. In fact, I had to go to the bathroom because she was going to pee so hard. This is the type of person it is. And when she left and she moved on to uh, a different state, we wound up giving her a wand and on the plaque it said always. And we always thought that she was like Professor McGonagall. So that's about as nerdy as I get. I do have a dark mark tattoo. I, I do tend to dabble in the nerd dome just a little bit. But anyway, the story, I go into her office, and this was before that. And the one thing I loved about Caroline was her ability to have strong conversation. And for an HR person, I don't trust HR people. I learned to trust her over time, along with many game crazy and Hollywood people. But in the middle there, at other locations, I didn't like HR people. And they didn't like me. Let's be honest. I'm opinionated. I'm brash. And I'm arrogant. Those things usually don't mix well with HR. But anyway, so we were in her office and we were just shooting the shooting the shit and having a conversation. Pardon for the, for the little curse there. And um, feminism comes up and she's like, Matt, what are your thoughts on feminism? I'm like, I, I no, not a chance. I have no thoughts on feminism. Not a, no way. No. She's like, come on, we're friends. You, you know, we've got to be able to, to, to learn about this. And I said, well, I think feminism is very similar to affirmative action. I think it's useless nowadays. And she gets this look on her face like, excuse me? And I said, I told you not to ask me. She's like, well, what do you mean? I said, listen, I think burning bras was important. I think equality is important. And I think men and women are absolutely should be considered equals. Now, they do different things and they're different. We understand that. But overall, when it comes to pay and it comes to respect and it comes to opportunity, all men and women are created equal. I don't think we should go back and change the Bible or change the Constitution or change a mantra or an ethos for a company that says men versus saying all human beings. I think we get it. We are mankind. You are woman and I am a man. And she's just looking at me like I'm just talking gabble gobble. 
she goes, okay, all right, well, I guess I can understand that. I don't agree with any of it. And I think it's completely an immature and juvenile thought process. I'm like, oh, well, at least, at, at least you're not going to be insulting. And she goes, well, listen, there is a lot of, of inequality and men don't have the government telling what to do with their bodies. They want to stop us from having abortion and telling us about birth control and what we can do with our bodies. And don't you think that's unfair? And I said, yeah, I think it's unfair. I think it's unfair that you don't have to register for the draft. And I'm pretty sure that's them telling me what to do with my body. And I could just see her getting upset. And that was a great thing about Carolina. She had no problem letting you know. And she's just like, I've got it. This is the problem. And for the podcast listeners, sorry, I was making a bunch of faces for that pause. She goes, okay, listen, here's, here's the thing that really bothers me. It's the stupid pink tax. I'm like, pink tax? What What in the name of God is pink tax? And she says, well, when I go into CVS or Walmart and I want to buy a razor, I'm going to spend $2 more for my razor. For the extra wide grip and the silicone gel and the quadruple blades and the gentle touch. But a man's razor is right over there and it's $2 less. They can buy it for 5 and I've got to pay 7 It's ridiculous. What's the difference besides the color pink? And I said, that's a good point. I don't understand that. And that doesn't make much sense. So I have a question. Why don't you just buy the man's razor? And she looks at me like I literally had just slapped the taste out of her mouth. And she goes, well, because they don't shave my legs the same. shave my legs the same well then that's why they're two dollars more there is a difference see it's more plastic it's silicone rubber extra blade oh, whatever fine the point is folks this conversation is going to get heavy and i'm already seven minutes in i don't even know where the time goes anymore it probably was that damn rebecca black don't unfriend me follow all these social places give me a like give me a subscribe a share all that stuff please follow me let me know it makes me feel good if you don't god kills a puppy and we don't want that this is don't unfriend me what do we do we do current events, we do politics, we do controversial topics, and tonight will be the most controversial topic we've ever had. And I'm going to dive into white fragility, police brutality, and unarmed killings, and racism. Because ultimately, at this point in my life, what do I have to lose, folks? If you're going to dox me, you probably would have doxed me already. And it's an opinion, and you don't have to agree with it. I'm not a freaking person who slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I'm just a guy who's seen a few things. I'm just a girl living in a material world. Unconscious bias. I've been through this training. I've been through it several times. And I can tell you, after the eight hours that I went through unconscious bias, I was sure of two things. One is I have no idea what I learned. And number two, I couldn't know what I learned because it was unconscious. However, they were trying to make me conscious, which doesn't make any sense. Though a third thing I learned is I never want to do it again. This is by Valerie Nichols. And it's a very popular thing that talks about during hiring and developing people, you selectively choose people based on who is like you and who is not, which essentially is a very nice way to say it's racist or prejudiced or stereotypical. And I think that's fair. I think we could have gotten the same thing through psychological profiles, through Myers-Briggs or Lomberger competencies, which would help us understand our own personality profiles and that we should hire the opposite. People who challenge us, people who are different than us, who will bring a different perspective. We don't need to focus on race for that. When I sit across from a black person, I'm not thinking, oh my God, this person's black. I'm thinking, oh my God, this person's not wearing a tie. And whether they're black, white, green, brown, or yellow makes no difference to me. And whether they're woman, they're not, or man. And if anyone's checked my hiring record, they know that. 
If anyone's walked into any of my stores, they reflect the community. And that is what I do is I hire a demographic that equals the community. I only look for one thing. I check the resume and I want to find out something else. And if I do, if there's something there that intrigues me that I can't learn from that piece of paper and I want to ask another question, I invite you to a second interview. That's my criteria. And when you sit in front of me, you better be on time. You better be dressed and ready to rock and roll. And you better not say, um, 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 like, 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 and dude, dude, dude. If you do, you are not getting the job. If you throw your old boss under the, under the, uh, throw your old boss under the bus, you're not getting a job. If you admit that you stole something or beat up somebody at work, or you have a felony on your record, you're not getting the job. It has little to do with the color of your skin. But how am I supposed to know any of that if I'm not supposed to know any of that? The whole point of unconscious bias is to teach you a conscious understanding of something that is unconscious. It is the stupidest thing I've heard in at least five minutes. If it's unconscious, how do you know, how are you supposed to be aware? I don't buy into it. I have been into most of these sensitivity trainings. And here is a slide, one of the first ones from the book. Are you conscious of your unconscious bias? No, no, I'm not. I never will be. Thanks for trying. Let me know if you crack this code. I want to solve other things. Blind, but with the ability to see. Deaf, with the ability to hear. And dumb, as the smartest person on the planet. If you can solve those, you definitely will figure out conscious, unconscious bias. I had the privilege of talking about white fragility, and I had a person come on named Jose on the thread and challenged me and said, oh, Matt, you read Robin D'Angelo's book of white fragility, even though there's hundreds of other books about white fragility that you could have read, but it's the only one on Fox News, so therefore you know it. it listen, this is, the, this is basically the entire argue, arguing point of the book. No matter what you do, you can't win. I read this piece of crap. The fact that I even purchased this and, and, and donated so this woman could buy more turquoise around her neck just baffles me. That I donated to this cause of this heaping pile of done. I'm not going to sleep tonight. So, Jose, there may be a hundred other books. I can't believe there's one. And the fact that I read one, that's all you're going to get from me. I'm sorry, because I'm not going to go do it again. The theory about white fragility, which is incredible, is there's two premises. And I have notes. Oh, I, oh, I took some notes. You're either a fragile racist. So there's two options of, of what you can be. You can be a fragile racist. This is white people. Remember, and only white people can be racist. Black people can't be racist. Mexicans can't be racist. Jews, Gentiles, Sunnis, Shiites, Muslims, Al-Qaeda, ISIS. These aren't all races, of course, but at least ideological values that can define somebody based upon differential ideas based on color, not just color alone. Because let's face it, ideology can really truly be a mentality of who you are and a makeup of who you are. But only white people can be racist. And it doesn't matter what type of white person, Christian, Catholic, Greek Orthodox. Maybe you joined an Orthodox church. Maybe a Southern Baptist. Maybe you're Mormon. You can't get any whiter than that, folks. Now, remember, we're going to say things in this show that might offend you. Hold on to your safe blanket because you may not like all of this. And that's just tough. Miss D'Angelo, I can understand where she's coming from. She is a non-capitalist trying to capitalize on something that makes people feel horrible. And white people have guilt, and they don't understand how to cope with their guilt. It's not that we're fragile. It's not that we're racist, which are the two things that you can be. Remember, you can either be a fragile racist or a fragile racist. That's it. In her eyes... All white people, this is it. You're painted with this brush. There is no in-between. You are either a fragile racist or, an, or a fragile racist. And the problem with that is that if we are all that way, and everyone is that way, 
then what is the hope of possibly getting better? Is there a solution? Well, let's find out. Can we stop racism as we know it? I hope this show doesn't go too long, but right now I'm not doing too well. Here's the theory. And the theory is unfalsifiable. You can't negate this theory and prove it wrong. And this is the genius of this theory. It's the genius of it. It's what makes white fragility sell. And white people are reading it and going, oh my gosh, yeah, I am a racist. Totally. The mere suggestion that being white has meaning often triggers a range of defensive response. These include emotions such as anger, fear, guilt, and behaviors. Anger leads to fear. Fear leads to guilt. Guilt leads to suffering. What is she, Yoda? Behaviors such as argumentation, silence, and withdrawal. Okay, you can argue, you can be silent, or withdrawal. Isn't that really all you can do? So anything you do, anything at all, anything, you retreat. Raise the white flag. Agree. If you agree, doesn't matter. Withdraw from the stress-inducing situation. These responses work to reinstate white equilibrium as they repeal and repel the challenge. Return our racial comfort and maintain our dominance within the racial hierarchy. I conceptualize this process as white fragility. Though white fragility is triggered by discomfort and anxiety, it is born of superiority and entitlement. What? That's like my seventh time reading that. Bullshit. It, what? I can't walk away. I can't agree with you. I can't argue. I can't refrain. I can't just shoot myself in the head. Anything I do is an example of your white fragility. Okay. Oh, okay. That's a, that's cool. I, I want to write a book. I do. And I want to, I want to use this method. I'm going to become a mil- everyone. Hey, you guys, just because you're a part of this race, it applies to you. No matter what, you have no choice. Okay. All right, good. This is making sense. Let's follow the rest. No wonder why she's so popular. (sighs) If you don't see racism everywhere, she believes you're not looking hard enough. Well, what does racism look like? I believe that you will never know what it's like to be a black person. You will never know what it's like to be a Mexican. You'll never know what it's like to be Chinese or Japanese or a Jew Now, we can hear stories, we can marry, we can have friends, but that's at any time we can get out when we're uncomfortable and and demonstrating our white fragility, remember? That's the thing about being black. If you go back to the movie Soul Man with C. Thomas Howell, great movie. It was such a beautiful thing at the end. He's like, you know, I think the judge said, uh, the judge was played by uh, James Earl Jones, and he looks at him and goes, so you know what it's like to be black? Good. It's okay. Okay. All right. And see, Thomas Hall goes, no, I don't know what it was like to be black because at any time I could have stopped. You've learned a great more deal than you think. Right. You know, so, and, and it's a great line because it's like at any time. So being white, I don't understand. Like, I'd like to see a book on that, that you can say, oh, I have a black friend. Well, that's stupid. You don't know. You don't know. I know what it was like sitting next to my buddy who got pulled over in an Impala as we were driving and he's black and I'm white and I didn't have any fear. I had fear that my mom and dad would find out that I snuck out, but he actually had fear because he was black. And I'm not disproving that racism exists. I'm actually saying racism does exist. I'm just saying you can't stop it. And I'll go into why. She's a master manipulator. Right there, that first paragraph basically absolves her of any responsibility about her book and puts the blame on your door. Already from the beginning. She immediately, after she does that, she starts to berate and ostracize her readers. Listen to this. D'Angelo berates the very type of person who is likely reading her book. I believe that white progressives cause the most daily damage to people of color. 
I define a white progressive as any white person who thinks he or she is not racist or is less racist. How are you less racist? Isn't it like evil and like you're kind of evil? No, you're only evil. There's only one kind. Dr. Evil says that. There's only one type of evil. You're either evil or you're not. She mocks white people for not knowing what to do about racism. And they say they hold the answers. Here's a line. What has enabled you to be full, educated, professional adult and not know what to do about racism? How have we managed not to know when the information is around us at all times? Okay, so she understands how to beat sexism. Is that the next thing? Fragile sexism, white sexism, white health care, white universal spending, white debt, white war. Is this what's next? If it's all around her, why doesn't she just solve those things? If she's so omnipotent and omnipotent and, and she's on Mount Sinai looking at the rest of the peons, why don't you write more books? Why, don't, why do you stop at white fragility? Why don't you go ahead and solve the energy crisis while you're at it? Why don't you solve the pay gap for women? That would be a good one. I think you'd get more followers that way. If this book was written by anyone else about any other topic, it would absolutely be shot down. White fragility is a myth. White privilege is a myth. Now, I'm going to talk about it, and I'm going to go deep on this, but I don't want to hear any more that because I'm white, I have had different pathways to my life and, and my result. Well, of course I have. But you're saying nationalism is a great one. Nationalist. I'm an American. God loves my country. God blesses the United States of America. And all these other foreign countries are heathens. Oh, really? What did you do to be born here? Bam, conversation over. The same holds true to this. You can't blame me for my white privilege. If you can't blame me for my unconscious bias, which is the whole premise of the stupid notion, then how can you blame me for my white privilege? What was I supposed to do? Mr. Spear, you look very qualified for this job. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're going to get a $40,000 raise. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Congratulations. Come aboard. Sir, one second. I need to check my privilege. Did you hire me because I was white? Oh, that's a very irregular question, Mr. Spear. It is, but I need to make sure you're not a Nazi bigot. Did you hire me? Because what do you want? Nobody in their right mind is going to do that. Just like nobody who is a person of color who is getting hired because of affirmative action and a quota, which several companies do, including Starbucks, including Apple, including Chick-fil-A and several others who have a quota that they are not allowed to hire white people or women, just like the military only hires a certain type of people. They will not bring in people with non-GEDs, only a certain amount. And then some have to have some college and there's prerequisites. They can have they literally will say a college edu educated black male in recruiting. I was in the recruiting office for three months. I recruited four people in the Navy. It's insane. Companies do that too. And I specifically was turned down for a job at Starbucks, not because of my glowing disposition, because I can be a real a-hole and they probably didn't want me around here. But I was told it was because in the secret back channels of people who worked there, who were in the hiring position, who happened to be family pretty much. You weren't hired because you weren't a woman. And you know what I said? Okay. I didn't go file a lawsuit. I didn't get defamation. I didn't say your black fragility is horrible. <laughs> I don't care. It, I don't want to work for a company like that. I would never work for Starbucks. I went three times. I went to the final interview. I was told the job's mine and they hired internal. They just do it for the quota. They do it because they legally they have to. So, if you want to talk about that affirmative action isn't a form of racism or HUD housing isn't a form of declassification and prejudicial based upon income, well, those things were needed. Racial equality, quota-based hiring, absolutely those were needed. We were all white bread. And that has changed over time. And her saying in her book, one of the opening lines is that Congress is 90% white. That's a lie. And it hasn't been that way for 65 years. The woman has absolutely no credibility whatsoever. 
And I'm done talking about her. White fragility, you're done. Good night. Remember, racism is more than race prejudice. Anyone across any race can have race prejudice. Okay, all right, now you're talking. Now you're talking. But racism is a macro-level social system that whites control and use to advantage of whites as a group. Thus, all whites are collectively implicated in this system. Wow, you really had a good start to that statement and then completely mucked it up. Prejudice isn't based on race. Prejudice are predetermined notions and applying it with a broad sweeping brush to everyone. Racism is hating somebody because they're a different color than you. And I don't hate people because they're a different color. I hate them because they're an a-hole. And you're either a morally upstanding human being or you're a jerk. Period. I don't care what color you are. That is the, the, one of the last things I would look at. I'd probably look at what shoes you were wearing before then. And if you're wearing $250 pair of shoes, I'm going to question where your priorities are. Well before I'm going to look at the color of your skin. What a bunch of horse caca. Can't believe I just said horse caca. What the heck's wrong with me? Here's the definition of non-racist. And I understand this is, this is small. Someone who passively rejects or opposes racist language behaviors and beliefs. All right. I'm a non-racist. Okay, here we go. Examples. Doesn't use racial slurs. Absolutely. I have in the past. I've said every one of them. I will admit it. I was in the military. I was an immature person. I've said not just racial, but homosexual slurs. I've done it. I'll be open. Will you? But so far, I'm liking, the way, I'm liking what they're cooking. The recipe looks good. Let's go to number two. Acknowledges white privilege. Oh, holy crap. Really? What is going on with these? They like lure us in to get us to believe, and then they slap us with this. Listen to this next one. Goes to a Black Lives Matter rally. Oh, really? Really? I've got to go to a BLM rally and get my head caved in because I'm a Trump supporter and prove I'm not racist, which will hopefully at that point do what? Make me racist because I got my head caved in by somebody of a person of color? Does that make sense? Now, that was a stereotype. What I just did was a stereotype. It wasn't racism. It wasn't prejudice. It was a stereotype. Do you see the difference? I did that for your benefit. Don't dox me. Doesn't vote for bigots or white supremacists. Why didn't you just say Trump right there? Why didn't you just say old Trump? Because that's what you're trying to get at. We all know. What's up with the freaking take it around the tree speak? Now, here's an anti-racist. This is the next level. This is the, you're not just a non-racist. You're an anti-racist. Someone who actively rejects or opposes racist language, behaviors, and beliefs acts as an accomplice for biopic. Oh, no, uh, BIPOC. What is that? Black, Indian. I don't even know what that is. Let's just assume. I don't know. And uses their power and privilege to eradicate racism at the individual and institutional levels. Holy, is this Antifa? Calling people in when they make racist jokes or calling calling on people when they do. Okay, that's fine. Educating oneself and others about anti-racism. All right. Outwardly questioning why their company doesn't have any BIPOC in leadership positions. BIPOC has to be racial classifications. Everyone help me with this. Stepping back to create space for voices of BIPOC. If I'm saying that wrong, I'm sorry. Oh, POC is people of color. So black people of color? That doesn't make, that's redundant. Someone help me with what that is, but it doesn't matter. No, all that's wrong too. This whole, all of this is wrong. And let me tell you why. Do you see this? And for the people who are on the podcast, you see a pink triangle, which is for the LGBTQ community. Then you see a black power symbol. Then you see a peace symbol. Then you see an anarchist symbol. Then you see the femmes, feminism, Sorry, the femme fists up in the air with all different colors. And then you see the Antifa flag. This is Sesame Street here, folks. One of these things doesn't belong here. It's more than just one. That pink triangle, those three female fists, and that peace sign have absolute, and that black, honestly, the black fist of, of actually, which resembles from the Olympics during the national anthem 
as one of the, and I, I can't remember his name, I apologize and I feel horrible about this, but one of the black athletes raised their fist up in protest, which is the BLM fist. They don't belong there. And BLM is kind of not belonging there too lately, but they're kicking Antifa out. And I think honestly, BLM will be just fine without that. I have been, and I have seen to plenty of BLM rallies and there is not one lick of violence and everyone stopped watching Fox News. There is a ton, and Black Panthers and Antifa and a few others create this stuff. But it's not the whole BLM movement, and a lot of these people don't want anything to do with that crap. But to sit here and mix these symbols together as a selling point, how dare you? Can you anyone tell me what the lesbian and gay community did that was violent, what they burned down, who they beat up and killed? Can anyone tell me the feminists, what they burned besides bras? Can anyone tell me what peaceful protesters did? Peace, love, dope, besides burning marijuana and dropping acid and listening to kick-ass music, what they did? You can't do this. Just like you can't do this. You can't stick a white supremacist cross, a Nazi symbol, the Dixie flag, and the SS and put Mickey Mouse in the middle and make it okay. What the hell's going on? What are we selling here? What what are we trying to convey? This is me. I made this. I made the Mickey Mouse just to prove a point. And that right there screams like, dude, that's like, that's like, that's like throwing away apple pie. That's like pissing on Don McLean. That's like hanging the flag upside down. Yes, don't you see? And this previous graphic is the same thing. It's a complete fallacy. These groups aren't anything alike. Anarchists? Oh, Lord. Folks, listen to me. Racism is not systemic. There's not one racist policy out there. Tell me what it is. Tell me what racist law that are holding people back. I can tell you that there are some racist things that we do, and it's not towards black people. It's starting to be towards other minorities and white people. Predominantly males, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant males, military service, 40 years above. Go ask Apple how many of those are left. We were all taken out. Now, does that mean I get to cry and say, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm treated horribly? No, not at all. In fact, I probably deserve a lot of that because stupid idiots who look like me made dumb decisions and were in places of power and they were probably racist and they were probably sexist. Yes, all of those things are true, but that doesn't mean it's systemic. Individual actions do not define the collective. Just like people say the police force is targeting black youth, which is the biggest load of crack crap and the biggest lie perpetuated on the people since this election and the Russia hoax. You want to start talking about truth? Let's have some truth. Let's really talk about it. And let's get uncomfortable. The way the world is broken down is much different than the United States. The United States is a melting pot. And these numbers are indicative of a a fairly well-balanced population. Maybe not for one ethnicity besides white. But listen. We've been around 200 and some odd years, folks. It's going to take some time to balance out. But every year, we bring in more diversity into our country. And it may not be more than a million, and I'm glad about that. But if you look at whites right now, 76%, and this also mixes Hispanic origin. Because a lot of whites have Hispanic origin, but they are predominantly and seen as white. 76.3%. Black or African, 13.4%. American Indian, 1.3, Asian, 5.9, Native, 0.2, two or more races, 2.8, and Hispanic, Latino, 18.5. That predominantly makes about 30 million black people in the United States today. We can do the same for Latinos, and we can go on up, divided by 326 million people. Now, the question is, is based on those statistics, there is a white majority in this country. I think everyone would agree with that. And because of that, there should be a balance to that when it comes to statistics of crime, is that we should see about a 70-30 split based upon those numbers that white people create 70% of the crime and minorities create about 30% of the crime. Would everyone agree? Great. I'm glad we do. Wonderful. Let's move on. And if we take a look at this top section up here, and I'm going to have to read this to you. 
These are all the crimes that have been taking place over, I believe, 19 and 20. You look at 10 million offenses from all races, 10 million crimes, 7 million. I'm going to round these down. 7 million were white, 3 million were black, 244 American Indian, Asian, et cetera, et cetera. Very well balanced compared to what we just saw, right? I mean, that's a 70-30 split. Everyone would agree? Wonderful. Based on the crime, it is about a 70-30 split. But there's a problem. Take a look at murder. 5,000 murders white people committed. 5,690 black people commit. Even though they only make up a very small portion relatively to the mass populace, they own most of the murders and manslaughter type criminal acts. Robbery, 39,000. Black people committed 39,000. White committed 33,000. Aggravated assault, 237,000 for white, 128,000. Still disproportionate. Burglary, 117,000 for white, 49,000 for black. Still disproportionate. But fairly down the middle. Larceny, 500, 245,000. Motor vehicle, 54 and 23, about 50%. But let's get into things where the numbers kind of skew. Weapons carrying, 85,000 to 64,000. Drug abuse violations, 1 million to 408,000. These numbers are staggering. And they're not indicative of what we see based upon population. Now, did I just say inadvertently that black people commit more crime than whites? Yes. Did I say that that's something built into being black or a minority? Absolutely freaking not. And anyone who watches my shows knows this. Is that I absolutely 100% blame this on the democratically run cities where you have welfare where single-family homes have been broken up, where having children is better than having a father in the home due to welfare and making money, having a lack of jobs, not able to provide living wages and education and clean up these neighborhoods. And these neighborhoods have been abandoned because police officers feel completely impotent to do anything. You've created a culture inside these ghettos and these modern-day plantations that has given little choice to black people and to minorities and to whites who are also in these ghettos. Let's not just pretend that this is all white, black, brown. This is a lot. It's a conglomeration that reflects our demographics and reflects our cities and towns and suburbs as well. The same thing happens in the ghetto. Poor is indiscriminatory. You don't have to have a prerequisite to be poor. Misfortune happens to us all. If we take a look at some other things and we look at police statistics and if we look at police black unarmed shootings for 2019, the number was less than 14. And I actually even gave a couple of those which were assault with the, at least had a knife or something other type of weapon. This is absolutely unarmed. So am I saying that unarmed black people do not get shot? Of course they do. And it's horrible. But 172 white people who are unarmed were shot. And that's proportionately bad policing. It's not racism. It's stupidity. You got somebody with an itchy trigger finger. You got somebody who doesn't know how to defend themselves properly. Or they were scared for their lives that they were going to get the crap beat out of them. So they went ahead and shot first and asked questions later. And those people have no reason to be police officers. Officers shoot about 1,000 civilians annually. This number has gone down over the years. Take a look. White people, 370. It stayed flat for the last two years. 370 are killed, but black people have gone down. It was up to a high of 235 in 2019. 20, it's gone down a little bit. One, because we haven't finished the year and also because of COVID. So it's not like we've done anything great here. It's just a matter that the number is different. And this isn't unarmed. These are armed. 
And I am sorry if you are an armed criminal and I'm a police officer and I'm trying to arrest you and you brandish a weapon, I'm going to shoot you. Black people account for 23% of those shot and killed by police. And they're only about 13% of the U.S. population. The number of, number of armed black shooting victims is down 63% from 2015. There are about 7,300 black homicide victims a year. Officers make up 0.2% of those killings. It is predominantly, and I hate to say this, it's not white on black crime, brown on black crime, blue on black crime. It's black on black crime. And it's in eight of the biggest democratically run major cities in the U.S. account for 93% of those shootings. Police officers make 10 million arrests a year. 10 million arrests. And they are attacked with deadly weapons 27 times per day on average. Let me ask you, how many people would you shoot if those were your statistics? That you have a 2% chance, literally, of someone pulling a weapon on you every time you pull someone over. Folks, police are not the problem. There are bad cops. There are bad bosses. And there are real Nazis out there. At least people who are playing Nazi. And those people need to be found out, rounded up, and cast from society. And I'm with you. I don't care if you're a proud boy, a skinhead, a Klan member, if you are an alt-right who believes in white pride or white nationalism, you have no place on this planet. But I also feel the same thing for anyone who's black power, uh, black power from the Black Panther side. Maybe not black power as the fist, but like supremacy of blacks over whites. Antifa or any other hate group. And to sit here and say that you are mutually excluded from hating simply because of the color of your skin and you've been through racism. No, that's a cop-out. White people need to own what we've done. And we have treated races of people far worse than just blacks, American Indians, Japanese, Jews. We can go on and on and on. Mexicans, Asian Americans, Puerto Ricans, Iraqis, some Muslims. We have done a lot of damage in this world, and we absolutely need to be held accountable from it. But I, I have never owned slaves, and I never want to. My great-great-grandfather did, and I am ashamed of it. Albert Speer is a, is a relative to me. As a person who has Jewish blood and has some pretty horrible feelings about what German ancestry did to the Schwartzes in my family. Yeah, I've got some confliction. But to say it's systemic and write a book on it, here's an idea. How about we try something new? Because for the last 60 years, we've been shoving this down people's throats and it was absolutely effective for the first 30 because it was true. We had to get that racist element out. We had to change the laws. And yes, criminal justice reform needs to be completely fixed. And I don't care if you're black, brown, green, white, whatever. If you commit a crime, everyone should be held to the same level based upon their criminal record, not the color of their skin. And we shouldn't provide crack in these neighborhoods and let these drugs come into these neighborhoods and not police it. And then when it absolutely destroys these communities, methamphetamines and crack and cocaine, go ahead and put them in jail for it for the rest of their lives. There's a lot that needs to be fixed. But to say it's systemic and not individual choice is wrong. I showed you that wonderful video by Jane Elliott where we got to see the blue-eyed people and the brown-eyed people and the green-eyed people. It was fantastic. She proved one thing with her experiment that she never said is that she had to teach them how to be that way. She had to teach them to hate, to despise, to be jealous and covet thy neighbor. It, it's not born in you. 
maybe we should try something new. And here it is. And I hear this trope all the time. You think you're sick of hearing about racism? Imagine how black people feel. I can't. They have to live with it every freaking day. And you want to know most black people that I talk to or minorities that I talk to, they're sick and freaking tired of this crap. They're sick and tired of being portrayed as weak and simple and that they need white people with their white fragility and their white guilt representing them when they have no idea who in the hell they are. And they never even visit their districts. And all of the people who wore the African tribal garment and scarf and took a knee, who every one of them were white and completely placated and disrespected African-Americans. This is the Democratic Party. How about we try something new? How about we stop voting Democrat? And then how about we stop teaching people that they're racist and sexist and xenophobic and homophobic and their unconscious bias is who they are and defines them when it's their actions that should. I am tired of being called a toxic male. I am tired of being called a racist. I am tired of being called a xenophobic. And unless you've been over there and unless you've seen what's gone on, how dare you call me Islamophobic. People have no idea what is in my heart and you have no line into that. Only me. And if I'm a racist and a sexist and an Islamophobic and xenophobic and all that other crap, I will out and I will be held accountable by my peers and my neighbors and my family and my loved ones because it cannot live in this vacuum anymore. And yes, most assuredly, there are clans members within 500 yards of me. And they don't come out because I'll be one of the people that snuff them out if they do. Not all white people are the same and it is racist to say so. And why can't we just admit that black people, brown people, that we're all the inequities of man. We are sinners and we can all feel emotion and we can all feel hate and we can all despise a race simply because of the color of their skin. And gosh darn it, who can blame minorities for hating whites just a little bit? Can't we just admit it? And can't we as whites say that we resent a lot of times when black people won't stop talking about it. Why can't we be transparent? Why can't we just tell the truth? And then we can get past it. I am up here putting myself at risk, saying things that no white people should ever say. And I don't care. Because if I was black and I was saying this, I would be shared on every single conservative site across America. And that's racist. What we do to black conservatives like Candace Owens and tote her around like she's a token black person, she doesn't want that. She doesn't want white people telling her what she's been through, what weight she carries. That's her story to tell. That is her story, and you have no right, and I have no right to tell her story or any man, woman, or child's story. But damn it, stop telling mine. Stop telling me who I am. The last thing I will say about white privilege is that when you are surrounded by other white people, there's not a lot of privilege to go around. And if I was actually had any moxie, I would put my money where my mouth is and live in an impoverished area, but I won't. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we need to stop drawing boundaries and putting up roadblocks and railroad crossing that signifies rich and poor, educated and uneducated, thugs and upstanding people. Because I lived in the hood when I was younger and there was nothing wrong with it. I went to school in the hood and there were some things wrong with it, but I survived. We need to stop drawing the lines of racial boundaries. We need to stop allowing our brothers and sisters across the road from being poor and living in shacks and not having the things that we have. That is racist. And that isn't systemic. It's a freaking choice. And I'm not strong enough to move my family there. 
but maybe it starts with a handshake. Maybe it starts with a conversation. Maybe it starts with a little compassion and a little love. And let's stop saying that we hate each other and replace it, that we love each other. Wouldn't that be a great day? Take your white fragility, your toxic masculinity, your unconscious bias, your sensitivity training, and shove it up your ass. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all I've got. It's just my opinion. Don't unfriend me. I mean, I guess that is the whole point of the show. You can subscribe if you liked this and weren't offended. I don't think there's anybody who wasn't. If there's anyone left, subscribe, like, share. It means a lot to me. This isn't a white perspective. This isn't a black perspective or a brown perspective or a person who pees sitting down or standing up or someone who has a colostomy bag. I'm just a man, and it's the way I feel, and we all have a right to express how we feel. If you would like to, go down below and leave a comment. Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Very, very important. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. They need your help, please, for me. If you see a veteran having a problem, if you see anyone having a problem, reach out. Ask them if they need help. My patience is challenged every single day. I had a lady on Facebook who went on that fundraiser and just flamed the fundraiser, and I was not very nice to her. Maybe I'll reach out when I'm done. Maybe I'll say I'm sorry for overreacting. Who knows? But we can all be a little better. Veterans need your help. Start there. If you see a veteran who needs help, reach out, especially during Christmas time. 24 to 25 commit suicide during holidays. If you need help, go to don'tunfriendme.com. Click on the VCL hot button. It'll take you to a Skype call right away and you'll be patched in. Folks, thank you for staying with me. Thank you for listening to me. This was a very delicate topic and I appreciate you holding out and watching the whole thing. I will see you live for what, what do we say? Friday Fight Club, where we just basically talk about everything. It'll be a fun conversation. We'll show this show. And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. And I will see you later. Thanks for watching Don't Unfriend Me, everybody. I want to recommend Alex from Aleko's Design. He works on all of my video and graphic design, and he is amazing. Please give him a shot. Please head on over to his website at www.alekosdesigns.com. And one more quick thing before we go, folks. Still Point does the music intro for the show. They are listeners. They are fans, and we absolutely love them. Special thanks that amazing song and you can hear citizen soldier at reverbnation.com slash still point